Hello, and welcome to another episode of Retailistic, where I, I actually do have Andrew sent me, he's a doll, my buzzer. Okay, I haven't. <laughs> it even came with batteries. I mean, how great is that? <laughs> I was, I, I, I've been a retailer long enough to know that batteries not included is not cool. <laughs> True. So we are here with one of my, I, I think, truly like my my brother, Oren Prawn. I was in the period, I think, considering the distance between us, we've seen each other so much. It's been so great the past four weeks. I went to Israel for a week and we spent a lot of time together. He had an unbelievably successful conference. And then we were doing a big event in New York and Oren came in and, you know, he's just kind of one of these guys at the right place at the right time. So we're excited to have him here today. Andrew, when was the last time you were in Israel? Uh, you know what? I It's been, oh gosh, um, I went with my old company, my old telco company, and I'm going to say 2014. Oh my gosh. So I think I think one or two things may have changed. One or two. Warren, what are some of the biggest changes that uh, Andrew should look for on his next visit? I mean, it depends what he's interested in. There's so many things to see. I, I mean, if I would go there, I would go to meet uh, experts and would meet, you know, deep tech startups that really, you know, uh, developing the next generation, maybe you can say, so of, of, you know, the infrastructure of the retail. And, and there's many things to see there for sure. Um, Aaron, I, I love that. Because, and I, I really, I genuinely can't wait to get back because when I was there, like the thing that really blew me away and I actually went back and told, my CEO at the time, this, the experience that I had, which was kind of like just how the government and how like the community as a whole really encourages people to be entrepreneurial, to start up, to invest, to in, invent, to create, like it really creates this, it's just such an innovation, innovation hub. Um, and my CEO at the time, I don't, I'm not claiming credit by the way, um, but my CEO at the time has now moved on to become the the head of the Australian government's innovation council. So really? um, he obviously, he nice. obviously, yeah, he, he obviously <laughs> listened in some part to a number of people. One of those voices, including was mine, but it, it's true though, like that, that, um, we underestimate, I think, as societies about the, the importance of, of fostering creators and inventors and, and those that, that startup thing. You know, I, I, you know, we, I went from like, I didn't even think of Israel as a place to go for a service to all of a sudden three, four or five of my retail brand software pieces were being run out, out of inventive startups out of Israel. It's incredible. Like, tell, like, what, what do you see are the things that, um, has helped create that incredible inventive space? Yeah, definitely. I mean, entrepreneurs are special people whenever they go. It doesn't matter on the globe, but you have some kind of a special, I don't know if it's a spirit of kind of a DNA of not uh, afraid of taking huge challenges with maybe small budget and try to do the best they can, uh, very target oriented and Sometimes the little details are not so important, but you would like to achieve uh, the goal of succeeding and, and enabling to really change uh, or develop something new. And beside this, there is, as you said, a lot of uh, support from, uh, from the government for the last two or three decades. Uh, and this is what actually 
laid the foundation for, you know, the venture capitalists and later on for the uh, startup that came out of it. And I mean, if we were looking back for uh, maybe five years ago and you're talking about retail technology, you might have found maybe 20 startups, maybe 50 startups around. Uh, but me and Deborah, we, we just uh, published a landscape map about uh, three weeks ago and it's over 155 companies on this uh, landscape map and it's so diverse and there are so much uh, uh, innovation and, and deep technologies within uh, those startups. So it's only the beginning and we can definitely see, you know, uh, some technologies such as computer vision, uh, IoT, um, AR that are really uh, getting, you know, the fruits out there and, and you can see the ROI and you can see the consumers and, and you can see how the retailers uh, really start using those technologies with real applications. Uh, so it's happening. It takes a lot of time. And you must remember that Israel is pretty small and the local market of uh, grocery, retail, apparel, uh, it's only around 20 billion a year. Uh, it's less than what Walmart sells in one week. Okay, so <laughs> there is no scale here, it's, but it's a huge lab and you can try almost anything here very fast. Uh, also, I mean, the proximity here is, is such as that you in, can get like 300 startups within 20 minutes drive. So if you would like, you have, you know, your retail innovation team and you'd like to come over to Israel. So it's very easy. And so those kind of elements uh, creating, you know, kind of a fruitful ecosystem. And uh, it seems like, you know, the challenges of the retailers are just getting bigger. And, and I mean, from your side, um, if you would come over, what, what would be the most interesting thing for you to see? I mean, great. I just want to clarify. You said 300 startups within a 20 minute drive. That is phenomenal. <laughs> like, like we're, other than a conference show, and even then you don't get 300, you might get 30 that can afford to be there as opposed to 300 to choose from. It's phenomenal. I, I think like I'll go first ever and then I'll hand the question back to you. Like I am, I, uh, I'm excited by, I speak a lot on this podcast in particular about kind of the energy that's coming back into retail. Retail has become a really cool, popular, smart place to start up a tech company or start up something to, to solve some of the challenges that we face as a sector. Um, so for me, I think that, uh, like, um, I think it's the new expo floor. You know, we used to always go to the NRF Big Show or the Shop Talk or whatever, where we go, oh, what's new? Whereas nowadays you don't really get that on the expo floor. You see it a little bit in the smart, the startup space or the innovation space, but most of the time it's just who's the biggest doing the things that we all kind of should be doing. Um, I'd be there looking, going, what's different? Like, what is some, what is, who started up something that no one else has thought of yet? Like, what's this really, really new bleeding edge thinking stuff? That'd be mine. Deborah, I don't know. What about you? I mean, you know, when we were there just a few weeks ago, I think that there is this idea now around kind of quick wins for a lot of retailers. And so whether that's, you know, improving the marketing capabilities on their website, whether that's around, you know, kind of better understanding their consumer journey and the data behind that, 
I just think that, you know, where there's this kind of startup beauty, if you will, is that, right, it's not going to take me three years. And, you know, not only a huge kind of like capital expense, right? But, you know, it's going to be a huge expense. I think this idea to move very quickly and have results and get the ROI in, let's say, a three-month, four-month period is where this this kind of startup beauty takes place. And I think that in Israel, there is this very much working on a time frame, very good at like MVPs, right? It's not perfect, but that's all right. Like, let's just kind of keep moving forward. I mean, for us in particular at Foresight, right, we're very focused on anything around supply chain right now. Um, because those, those are not usually three or four month projects. And I think that for the retail industry to succeed as a whole in terms of longevity, you know, we, we're going to have to make a lot of changes and in investments over the next three to five years from a shorter term perspective, right? I mean, anything around retail media or metaverse or live streaming, I, you know, that, that's a good way to keep everybody distracted, right? While they're going through the pain of supply chain. But I think that's, that's where we're focused. I mean, one question for you, Orin, is, how I mean, you and I have known each other for a long time, but I don't know if I know how you got started and having such this kind of like pivotal role in the Israeli retail tech ecosystem. Maybe you can share some of that with us. Of course, of course. And uh, I mean, when I go back about uh, 15 years ago, I, I came from the retail, uh, from the uh, real estate industry. Uh, I was uh, working for a big shopping center, which is Israel second largest uh, shopping centers and open malls uh, company. And I was basically uh, building and operating uh, the shopping centers from scratch. And around uh, 2016, I moved into the innovation and technology department. And it took us about few or five months to just to understand how much things are going around us. Uh, startups started to knock on our doors with crazy ideas. It was like real hype coming from the, from the startups and the technology companies. And, and when we sat down with our tenants and partners, we understood we need to do something about it because it's not logical that all the startups are wasting this time trying to reach the, the retailers and we are always busy. And l- let's try to, to help here. And we decided to collaborate and established this platform that's called the Retail Innovation Club, which actually allows retailers and startups to collaborate. We are a, a retailers club, so we work for the retailers to find new innovations and solutions for the companies. And, and so on one hand, we collect the demands from the market, from the industry, uh, to understand what the grocery retailers are looking for, what the apparel retailers, the cosmetics, do-it-yourself, and, and etc. So we practically uh, organized the demands on one side. On the other hand, we uh, just mapped the uh, ecosystem uh, on four major segments. We're looking into supply chain logistics, the in-store management, online shopping, and BI analytics. And we're practically trying to find solutions on each segment. Uh, Retailers uh, (laughs) are not looking to develop anything. They would like to get... uh, I don't say out of the shelf solutions, but practically uh, validated solutions that someone already tried and not to waste the time on pilots that will never happen. And uh, actually, uh, everyone, the retailers would like to talk with retailers. They all have the same problems 
They're all dealing with the same challenges and they can learn from each other. And only few, the, the giant retailers are able to grow technology in their own backyard. The rest will have to collaborate and learn from each other because there is no other way. And the technology, uh, I mean, most of the employees on the retail companies are logistics, salespeople, operations, and management, finance, but not technology people. And you cannot really transform into a technology-oriented organization unless you have the employees. So it takes time and it needs a lot of education and a lot of learning, but the technology is out there. You can do anything you want uh, with the technology and the tool that's out there. And you need to have your, you know, strategy and roadmap and just to be able to fill the gaps later with the technologies that are out there. But unless you have some kind of a program, uh, <laughs> you can get lost. And this is what's happening. I, I adore that. And I have, like, I have so many pathways to go down. It's kind of impossible to choose which one, but I want to call out a quick quote that you just said that is one of my faves I've heard in a long time to avoid, you know, so that we don't waste time on pilots that will never happen. How many clients have we respectively spoken to, you reckon, Deborah, who have just taken a hundred ideas to be, you know, to, to wasting everybody's time and money to, like, that they should never have pursued? The problem is, though, Andrew, and you know this better than anyone, I mean, at least what we've seen at corporate is, okay, right, the, I mean, now that you have these incredibly large C-suites as well, so you've got 20 folks, each of them have met a different startup, and that startup, right, is just like, you got to choose us, you got to choose us, we're better than all the rest, right, they present, and so now everybody has, right, they are literally championing a different company for the same problem, and so in order to, and I've seen it, and I, I do understand it, Many of these retailers have to work through all 20 pilots, right? So that they don't upset the apple cart. And that is where we see, well, it should be efficient. Now, now, now you've got me like, you got me going. You know, <laughs> we're, bo- we're both going to rant at this. I know, no I know, I know. <laughs> I'm like, but like to me, right, the, the, whole, the word startup might equate to speed or at least should. But this is where it gets really slowed down. I mean, I'm telling you, we were with a very large retailer. We did this. And I was like, I, I was like, I think I need to just like step back a little bit because I'm going to say something I regret because I'm like, I see that there's so much potential to move fast, have first mover advantage. But because of this like death by a thousand cuts and trying to please to really please everybody, which is I think what retailers do, right? People, in, right. We're trying to please the customer right inside. We're trying to please our teams that the decisions that need to be made quickly and bluntly, to be quite honest, just, it's very hard. Absolutely. And, and in my experience, and Aaron, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, actually. Like, I, I um, like, I've always found in the work that I've had, uh, the work that I've done, um, historically has always been like, the, or, or, you know, the retailers can't move at pace because they've never aligned themselves on their respective roles within innovation. So what is the salesperson's role, the operations person's role? What is the marketing person's role in innovation, et cetera? Instead, we kind of like outsource it and therefore things get slowed down because every time that outsourced center, you know, of center of innovation excellence or whatever they want to call it this week, um, comes back to the normal business, it gets, it runs into this roadblock. But if you 
get alignment from a leadership team up front about the ambition and what it is that you're trying to do, you can knock down those roadblocks before they happen so that you don't have to kind of feel like you're convincing the business about what it is that you're innovating towards. Like, Oren, what's like in your experience, having set up the Retail Innovation Club, having worked with this many startups who go to brands and just that point you made earlier around kind of like working with retailers to ensure they don't waste their time and the precious, incredibly precious time of a startup who's trying to work out where they belong. Like what are the, what are the, what is the role of like leadership alignment or, or more, probably more, a better question if I was more of a journalist, what do you think are the most important things that retailers can do to speed up innovation? It's very difficult to say because every organization is different from its DNA. But if you look on innovation as a process, okay, so it could be low-hanging fruit, as Deborah said, like four months and we have it there, uh, which is very difficult when you have hardware and, you know, implementation and long sales cycles. But let's say it's you're capable of doing it. So... You need first to build a funnel and let people know that you're searching uh, for specific uh, solution up to your roadmap or up to your scope. And from there, you need to create on your organization a fast and let's say very effective process of eliminating. And if it's okay or interesting, great. It should be on this business unit in two weeks. All right. But if it's not interesting, let's answer politely to the startup. Thank you. Very interesting. But at this point, it's not relevant for us. We will keep your details. Thank you again. That's it. And later on, you should just streamline your organization. And you know, I can't tell you how to do it faster <laughs> because it's, it's, it's so difficult to say. You know, there are companies that only the internal department, you know, political staff, uh, uh, these guys in charge of delivery and these guys is not in charge of any delivery. So we can't say anything about it. And if it's a, a management platform of delivery and picking and I don't know what else. So you cannot really manage it. So it should be top down in terms of decision making processes. And you need to validate that major directors uh, in, let's say, call it innovation directors that are able, uh, that have already the know-how and, and the legacy of the company and, and they know what will work and what's not. And they're able to get fast decisions about uh, yes or no, you know, quick one. And, and then from there, the, the company has to just and create processes of innovation within. And, you know, it's very difficult uh, uh, to replace uh, existing infrastructures of software or hardware, especially if you have hundreds of stores or thousands. But you can definitely have a lot of small upgrades that will, you know, improve your consumer's uh, experience and, and will facilitate better, you know, um shopping and, and kind of streamline uh, processes such as uh, delivery or uh, even as Deborah said, retail media. It's so easy to implement if you just think about the simple thing of adding uh, uh, screens on the shelves and starting from there. Or let's say about, you know, 
recommendation in store. Okay, this is like the holy grail of apparel. You would like for someone just to let you know what is on there uh, you have on the shelf and what is out there uh, on the stock. And, and you can't get like a clear picture today about, you know, even though that your history is well known on the loyalty program, whenever you step into the store, they don't know it's you, even though there is at least five technologies that can, you know, validate it's you. You can scan a QR, you can have a voice message, you can send an SMS, you can, I don't know, use face recognition, but as long as you're not starting this kind of, uh, of uh, using, uh, I mean, existing infrastructure, for like a, a higher level of, of understanding and experience. Uh, so nothing really is going to happen. And it's, it is there. You know, people should uh, decide that this is what our consumers, you know, or that when the consumers are going to demand it, maybe this is like the more <laughs> uh, way it's going to happen. But, uh, the, uh, I think that there is a lot of things that retailers can do today. It's just a matter of, of you know, priorities, matter of, of where they see their margins uh, going up and where they're going down. And it's a trial and error after all. No one really knows uh, what will work and, and the markets are very different. Uh, but definitely, <laughs> you know, you spoke about the space for innovation. I mean, it only expands because more and more technology is going in and the consumer demands are rising. I mean, you expect to get the same service you get on Uber uh, as you get into the store and you would like them to know everything about your uh, uh, history. So, so I think the space is expanding and, and there is a lack of end-to-end -end platforms for the retailers. You have a lot of broken systems on the clouds of the loyalty, of the coupons, of the inventory, and you don't really see on one platform. And then it's also very difficult to react, uh, very difficult to, uh, you know, make the right decisions and startup are using this space and uh, creating a lot of optimizing uh, uh, services and integrations. Uh, a lot of what the startups are doing, uh, if there was an end-to-end -end platform, no one uh, would need it, uh, this kind of services, uh, but everything is broken. So they need someone to patch mm -hmm. and it will just expand because there are more technologies coming in. and. You know, when the, the, uh, the global uh, giants of the retailers are fighting, who's going to be the first one who is going to do self-checkout and is going to do a one-hour delivery? So startups are smelling the blood and, and they're smelling the exit. And there is a lot of uh, funding going into those startups. And then they bring more applications of new technologies into the retail and we see a lot of shift of new technologies. So it's a circle and it's, I think that for the next five to 10 years, uh, this digital retail transfor transformation, mm. uh, I mean, it's a blue ocean for startups. You're going to see a lot of opportunity, massive ones 
uh, of the, for tech companies, uh, I, I believe so. I think like um, before we, I mean, we got so many questions that come out of that and we want to get to your predictions and stuff like that of what's coming soon. But I know I'm biased. I know I'm obsessed with retail innovation as a process considering it's what I do for a living. But I'm going to give some of the comments that you made in there around the importance of having process around at a buzzer. I think that was I think that was super cool because um, it is smart and it, like the retailers know process better than anyone. That's what we've lived and died on for five thousand years since the Istanbul bazaars is process. So I think that's really interesting that I I think that we've gone that way. But I, I also love that you've brought yeah. in. Oh, Deborah's got a Deborah and I, I debating. I disagree. So here we are, twenty two, right? If anyone had taken a minute to step back and read the tea leaves. There is no way you should you should have seen this level of inventory ordered. So yes, there is process True. in place. I'm just not sure if it's the right process. You know what? That's actually a really good point. I was having a conversation the other day with uh, with our friends at Snowshoe who came to our podcast a little while ago, um, and uh, they asked me my prediction for 2023, and I said, you know what? I hope it's the year that we can walk uh, walk and chew gum at the same time because we've historically been kind of rubbish at innovation but been really good at process. In the last couple of years, it seems like we've fallen off a cliff in terms of process, but we've been able to kind of move on a dime and try and create things and respond to the COVID change event. So hopefully we'll be able to do both. So I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, oh, man, I was so excited that Deborah and I were going to have a debate, but there you go. We tended to, ended up agreeing with each other. Um, the follow-up question I do have, <laughs> our debates are wicked, and you'd like them a lot. Um, uh, I, um, I, My question for you is actually going to be around from a retailer's perspective, right? Because you, you mentioned come to Israel, you'll see 300 startups within 20 minutes drive. I, as a as an analyst and as a strategist, can sit there and go, "That's an incredible resource," but as a retailer, that just means there's 300 things out there that I should be thinking about, and it's really hard to kind of filter down. No matter how good you are at filtering ideas at prioritizations, no how many, no matter how many you know times you do a four quadrant process, you still end up with 150 things that you need to do in your top right quadrant. Like, what is your advice to retailers that you know and um, that come and look at at what you do and those startups that do exist in Israel, and of course, the same thing in other parts of the world. And then what role does organizations like yours, the Retail Innovation Club, have to play to try and help retailers navigate that complexity? Yeah, great, great question. And, and I think that it depends in the, what stage you're in. Some organization, let's say our club members, have, you know, Different, uh, uh, let's say, uh, different uh, resources or uh, the aggressive are not the same about how do they innovate and how fast and how may, how much effort they, they inject into those, you know, uh, departments. So we practically uh, need to see how we complete uh, the the existing program that these organizations already have. Okay. And when you're coming over, it doesn't matter if it's to Israel or to Shanghai, you, you need to have some kind of a scope that is, you know, the most important thing that's right now on your table. And we start from there. And the second thing is to build your network. Because first of all, when you're looking, let's say for a voice interface, for your shelves. Okay, there is no such a thing, but you might think about 
uh, a need uh, in the future. So you start from there and then we bring on uh, voice companies or guys that already have projects around this territory. And from there, we look into experts, voice experts, maybe shelf experts and guys that, you know, have the ability to, to give you some feedbacks. Is this logical? Will it happen? Uh, what is the infrastructure you need to, to support this kind of project? And, and from there, it's like you might find one. We might find one in a month on your next visit. But you can definitely start from like understanding how you approach because you can do it. I mean, if you spend right now 50 million or 100 million dollar build about and building something, you'll be able to do it. But you need to find, you know, the best way to do it and the cheapest one. So there might be something out there, but if it's not, you know, completely what you need, so you might need to adapt. And this is one of the most common things that happen. You know, organization have already their infrastructure, their inventory management, and, you know, the e-commerce platform, and they build on top. And you need to find the right plugins, the right companies that can support your, the size of your organizations, the level of your organizations, maybe sometimes the language of your organizations. And whenever you, you know, if you will find interesting companies in Israel, so you might be able to Look for similar companies around the world, but you already focused on the right technologies, you know, and maybe the right uh, pilots uh, that you uh, can start with these guys. And I mean, and if you're talking about predictions about what's going to happen, I think that a lot is going to happen. And, you know, just let's take, you know, the, the smart glasses and Deborah visited at the conference and, you know, we, we were exposed for, for the next generation, uh, and it's going to happen really, really soon. And AR is going to happen, uh, and it's going to change the, the experience uh, in store. It's going to help cashiers. It's going to help a lot of, you know, uh, inventory and pickers uh, around the store floor. And, I mean, definitely uh, there's going to be a lot of changes, and... The, I mean, the mobile, uh, the mobile era. Uh, I believe in a year or two uh, is going to be really disrupted by those uh, smart glasses. Uh, computer vision uh, is really, you know, contributing, and it's really uh, you can see uh, the adaptation around the, you know, identifying products, self-checkout solutions, automated stores are, you know, popping out everywhere. So definitely it's going to be more and more interesting. So Andrew, how do you kind of take all of this kind of geographic almost bias in terms of innovation and, and think about, right, what that means as it relates to Israel as kind of this innovation, right? Literally epicenter, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what we're saying hmm. here. Yeah. I mean, and it is, and there's, there's, there are parts that are popping up everywhere around the world that are innovating in different areas of retail or even just outside of retail. Like, you know, Aaron was just talking about 
um, you know, smart glasses, augmented reality, virtual reality, metaverse, all of that kind of fun stuff too, which is disrupting other industries, gaming, et cetera, first, but will come for us at some point and create opportunities for people to respond. Um, I think this kind of conversation always reminds me of how important it is to get out of your own backyard. You know, like the, we often find, you know, a million reasonable reasons not to turn up to our own stores, let alone our competitors' stores, let alone a bunch of stores or a bunch of startups that sit across borders who potentially have really great ideas. We've, we've often, especially in retail where we, we act, we make decisions frugally around stuff like that. Um, that, that knowledge gathering. Um, you know, find me another industry that doesn't send people around the world to learn from everything they possibly can um, to bring it back to make their organization better. And retailers aren't, generally speaking, brilliant at it. We're not too bad, but we go to the same things all the time. We go, you know, if you're a North American retailer, you basically pop between NRF Shop Talk and Shop Talk Europe, uh, you know, maybe World Retail Congress. But go to a CES, go to an Israel Retail Innovation Club, go to, you know, uh, an, an Asian retail hub show. You know, there's plenty of those that sit in places like Singapore because um, you'll see a really different view that will will open it up. Now, you've got a, a, the only the only challenge, well, not the only challenge, there's plenty of challenges, but a big challenge of that is translation. What works, you know, I as an Australian retailer used to come to the US and go, man, this is freaking amazing. I love this and I want to use this. And I go back and I realize, oh, hang on, Australian consumers aren't North American consumers. So, you know, you do need to translate some of the thinking. But at the end of the day, what you know, my advice is to to my clients and, and, and brands across Australia and the US when they are traveling is don't look for the idea to steal. Look for the direction people are going and take that nudge. And like, how do you bring that back and translate to what's right for your brand? Just because Harry Potter store does really cool things with butterbeer cafe things doesn't mean you should. Um, and just because there's 30 startups in Israel based around augmented reality doesn't mean it's right for you either. But you know, take the nudges and the energy that it brings you and translate it for what's right for you. And, you know, everyone who listens to this podcast is sick of me saying it, but the golden rule, what's the best thing that's going to add value to your customer? What's the best thing that's going to add value to your business? And is it aligned to your purpose? If you can get something that ticks those three things off, pursue it. That's a pilot you should take. Absolutely. And I can add on top of this that, I mean, w- when we are looking into a solution, I, I, you make sure you have those three elements. Okay. The, the first one is data. The second is speed. And the third one is customer experience. Okay. You need to, if you get a, a solution today, which cannot collect data. Okay. Analyze it, get your dashboard, uh, integrate it into your system. Okay. So. I assume it will not pass somewhere on your next, you know, uh, discussions. And if you don't have speed, I mean, if you don't automate or create faster uh, decision, I don't know, or, or, or accelerate the, the, the service. Uh, so it's not good enough. And the third one, which is maybe very important, but it's vague is the customer experience. How can you create better, uh, more, you know, comprehensive and, and uh, create the loyalty and, and how you uh, build the trust? I mean, it's, it's the end of the day. Retailers need a trust uh, from the consumer. And as long as you build it, you can do anything you want. You can work with the customers. You can, you know, ask him uh, and 
tempt him in, in different ways, but um, and and, re- and the consumers are smart, and the consumers are using technology everywhere, and they get crazy. How come they don't find it on the retailers that are such an amazing brand and so creative on their products and so creative on their media side? Uh, but on the technology side, the, the clueless, uh, let's say uh, they have uh, huge cha- challenges and it's very complex, but you need to have a strategy and, and take it from there as you have your business strategy, uh, the way you, you know, build your brand and, uh, you know, get your market share. So you need to have your technology uh, slash innovative uh, approach to, to for your organization for the next years. I mean, this is the only way for them to really uh, get some KPIs or get some, you know, to understand uh, how come they, they, they manage uh, to survive because it's very, very aggressive. And, and let's, you know, this, all those technologies are very, you know, may be valuable, but they also cost a lot of money. And the ROI is the only thing <laughs> uh, you need to, to uh, take into, into account when, when you uh, implement a new technology. Uh, so, you know, there is no like a, a golden <laughs> rule here, but, but there are a lot of... Uh, kind of new uh, activities or initiatives that uh, uh, retail organizations must, uh, you know, apply and try to transform themselves these days. Um, It's just getting more and more complex. So, you know, as we look at the year ahead, Oren, what are your predictions around either how retailers and brands will engage differently with technology solutions and what do you think will be the most important to them okay so uh, as i mentioned uh, we see computer vision really going in uh, we can see it uh, on the cashiers uh, we're going to see it uh, in the stores and it's just uh, it will accelerate um, we can see the iot and the connected store uh, really going in uh, the prices of the RFID tags and, and, and other IoT uh, devices uh, are going down and it's practically uh, manageable and, and we can see more and more guys are doing it. And when you add it, uh, add to it those new uh, chips that coming in from companies like uh, Williot on Excite that you practically can stick those chips uh, on the when you just pick the cucumbers on the field and it will go all the, all the way to the store and you can practically understand uh, where, where, where on the supply chain the product is and there are a lot of consequences from the, this kind of, of devices um, of course for the apparel it's going to be a real game changer we're going into real time inventory uh, tracking uh, and this will apply also for the ability uh, to create real-time recommendation uh, for uh, the consumers and a lot of other stuff like uh, fitting uh, rooms and, and uh, creating uh, recommendations around it. 
the, as I said, the AR glasses and AR content, uh, I think are going to be uh, one of the most precious uh, assets for the retailers, those that will be able to create like a whole library of their 3D assets and, and AR uh, from gamification to uh, uh, to 3D, you know, uh, images of their products. Uh, if you take it to apparel, so it's going to go into virtual try-on and much better accuracy and, and capabilities of, of, of virtual try-on, which is today... Uh, is very difficult, and and I see social media and uh, retail media, as Deborah said before, like booming, and it's really this is going to be massive. Uh, we can see also very interesting startups around uh, those territories, and um, so those those are my prediction for twenty twenty three. You know, the, the biggest thing I take, thank you for that, by the way, the biggest thing I take away from that is that any retailer who's sitting back going, I hope everything slows down in 2023, I've got some news for you. Uh, Oren's top predictions is a list as long as my left arm. So um, we <laughs> that disruption is still going to be coming thick and fast by the sounds for of sure. it. Nothing slowing for down, sure. that's for sure. It's not slowing down. It's, it's just accelerating. And, you know, Deborah, set Research, uh, focusing on the intersection. Deborah, you hear me? I hear you. Uh, on the intersection of technology and retail, but it's no longer an intersection. It is more like a multi-level uh, interchange and it's more technologies are coming in and you're going to have 5G and 6G soon. Uh, so I think there's going to be much more connectivity and much more AR and 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 other layers uh, within our devices and around us. Uh, yeah, it's going to be. It's not going to be boring for sure. I love it. I think. I think. Andrew, <laughs> that's a wrap. It's, it's, we got. We got. It's too it's good. Not, we got. It's not an intersection. It's. It's not an intersection. It's a merger, and I've got news for you. You're already on the interstate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, a few years ago. There was only a, you know, point of sale in the middle of the store. It was only 15 to 20 years ago. Okay. And then the mobile phone came over and the e-commerce really moved in and, and omni-channel really become something you can apply. Okay. But no one really did it. All right. You can't see many brands that are really working. Uh, on the right way, omni-channel. I mean, one great example is McDonald's, all right, which is, uh, for, for my uh, idea, I mean, they're already there. Everything is within the brand. Everything is inside. So it's like very easy, but they're still doing it right. And they're allowing the customers many options uh, in every channel, and letting him to decide what could be uh, working for him. And this is like the main idea behind Omnichannel. We are there. You can reach us anywhere you want, anytime you want, and you get the same thing. And, and I mean, technology-wise, it's possible. 
you just need to construct it, you know, on your infrastructure uh, the right way. Uh, but it's definitely possible. This is maybe the good, uh, my good prediction for this year. Uh, everything is possible. Uh, you just need to get the right team and, and the resources and you can do it. All I want, Andrew, this is like what I what I wish for, is that live streaming has its big breakout year uh, in 23. So what are your predictions, Andrew? My predictions? Uh, oh, look, I, I am, uh, my big one is what I mentioned earlier, that kind of like ability that we realized that, hey, innovation was super important the last couple of years, but we kind of skipped out on the stuff that we're really good at and we've known for the last several thousand. So hopefully we'll kind of blend those things together. But in terms of like consumer, I think there'll be a continued shift, um, like as we've seen towards people shifting their spending habits to align with their desired values. Um, I hope anyway, maybe that's less, more of an optimistic hope than it is a prediction, but it certainly looks that way as kind of hopefully things level out. I think we're going to probably hit some pretty tough economic times, which means big retailers are going to have to make some big decisions. Um, and I think the trends behind, um, the frontline teams having a louder voice around pay and benefits and all of that kind of stuff, I think that trend will certainly be continuing. When it comes to metaverse, I think live streaming for sure, because I think people will experiment with it. I think too many people are kind of going, all right, I can stand up a home shopping network version of my brand. When actually live streaming is a, is a, is a, an enabler of an incredible level of engagement with your consumers. And I think if you can put your imagination to it and be creative with how you use it, I think it will have its big break in 2023. It might not be how people picture it now, but I think it will. Um, and then in terms of metaverse, it's still going to be two dimensional next year. Like we're not going to have mainstream take up of goggles and all those kinds of things. Even if Apple comes out with theirs to add to market, there's still going to be several thousand bucks and the use case outside of, of gaming for consumer use, I think is low. What I'm excited to see though, is how retailers use it in other ways. Like I really can't wait to see new starters for, um, let's pick a brand, Walmart, um, going to a training uh, in their own home with a pair of you know goggles they've been sent so they can walk around stores and look at merchandising and understand how tills work and systems and things like that. I think there are some really incredible metaversian uses, uh, use cases that are beyond the consumer because the consumer just won't have uptake of those devices yet that I'm really excited about. So that's my list. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I must agree. And um, the list goes on from year to year, you know, <laughs> and 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 one of the things that we're not seeing uh, as a prediction this year is voice. And somehow, uh, and the Alexa uh, project is also kind of suspended. I mean, uh, and and I'm not sure that voice is dead yet, but it's definitely having very hard uh, trouble uh, implementing. And it's very difficult to navigate through voice. Uh, with interfaces and I think that there are some barriers that this kind of amazing technology uh, has not been you know penetrated uh, enough uh, so it's a kind of a question what's going to happen around voice but uh, definitely an interesting uh, technology an enabler of many you know um, Many applications that, uh, in a way, 
uh, save time and save uh, people's, uh, you know, uh, attention. Uh, my children, anyway, leaving voice messages all the time. Uh, but somehow, uh, no one find, found the real, uh, let's say, discussion or chat that will create those kind of messages as, as a channel for sales. Uh, we've seen interesting, um, you know, trials around uh, using voice as uh, uh, reviews, right, for, for, for products and kind of, uh, you know, uh, consumer uh, analytics, but you didn't really see it uh, uh, on the store level. Uh, at least I didn't. Uh, what, what do you think about it? Does Alexa is dead? I, I don't, I mean, I don't think that, <clears throat> first of all, I mean, it's not just that, right? There are other devices as well. I mean, I think we're seeing the Consumers are getting out more into physical stores as well, right? I mean, the, the data proves that for this year. I just think the idea that you are a, a being that wants experience and purpose, there, there's a movement towards more of that. <clears throat> and there's a big focus. I think we touched on it, touched it but on experiential loyalty gamification i mean these these the way that the devices currently stand they don't check any box that i can see and i'm not even sure if it's more convenient so i think there are you know um i think that there are other technologies and other solutions and other desires of the consumer that that doesn't necessarily kind of fulfill right now andrew what do you think about that yeah, no, I agree. I think I think voice is an interface. It isn't a channel. I think like it will it will continue to grow in terms of the way that we use it with other devices, whether they be in store, whether they be on my own device, whether they be at home. But it is just an interface. It it will never. I don't. I I can't see at least in the short term it becoming a channel. So I don't know whether I don't know whether it's dead, but I think it probably is um, going to need to branch out its its use. Aaron, thank you so much for coming along. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's been, I've proper nerded out in the conversation. Um, I can't wait to chat with you again soon. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure being here. Your cool podcast. And thank you again. Thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Retailistic. We truly went around the world and got to experience all of the upcoming and existing innovation solutions that we're seeing in Israel right now after having just returned from a trip there with Oren. Andrew, I thought that was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us again and uh, always enjoy your insights. I had, I had the best time. That was proper, like one of the best nerd retail conversations I've had in a long time. So I had a blast. So glad to be here and I'm so appreciative for Aaron to joining us. It was so great. Everyone, please like, subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us.